as long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710KURV. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710KURV and KURV.com. Here's Zach. Let's get an update from Port Mansfield with the. Uh, dredging that they've been doing over there on that side. Director Ron Mills joins us now. So uh, is is the project, I'll start off with this, is the project completed? Well, if project is not officially completed, they have done uh, uh, a great deal of dredging. We have a channel that's uh, average 17 feet all the way from the harbor to the gulf and between the jetties, uh, which dredged to about 23 feet. Uh, some of that's fallen back in just because of the amount of material that was out there. But the core is due back in within the next week to two weeks at the max, and they're supposed to clear out what's falling back in. And after that, we should be pretty pretty good to go. Can you describe the, the dredging process for people that aren't familiar with it? Well, basically what it is, they have a it's – basically it's a large barge. On that barge has a, a, a vessel – superstructure with a bunch of pumping systems on it that pipes that stick down in the water and then uh this pipe they run along and they basically swing it side it's a steel pipe and they swing it side to side and it has a big bit on the front of it, like you'd see in a movie about somebody digging for a mine let's say it cleans up this grabs up all the soil puts it down a pipe and then pumps it down a a long tube that can be two or three miles long and then it's dumped in a particular location so we, we had two locations this time. One was the National Seashore, where they could have revitalize the beaches for the sea turtles, uh, which went very well. And about half of it went to what many of the locals refer to as Bird Island. It's uh, Now it's about a couple of hundred foot square, probably a hundred foot tall island that's full of uh, sand and other material that they dredged up. With, with all that earth moving around, was there any buried treasure? Jimmy Hoffa. Did you find <laughs> you Jimmy know, Hoffa's the body? legend of the, of the, of the Spanish galleons that uh, had the gold uh, that's been around since the 1950s or so, uh, this time nobody came back and told me any stories about any uh, any gold <laughs> on the beaches. Uh, and back in the in the 50s and 60s, supposedly they, they say they found some, but uh, this time they went almost twice as deep and didn't find any. So we, we either missed all the galleons or, or maybe they weren't there. Not even a recycled iPhone. Joining us on 710-KURV, Ron Mills is the director over at Port Mansfield. They just, uh, they're finishing up a, a dredging project. Davis Rankin, your question? Well, uh, this this is pretty straightforward, but why did you all feel the need to dredge it? What, what do you all get out of that? What's the point? <laughs> the primary problem is that the, the, uh, the cut between the National Seashore and South Padre Island is not natural. It was man-made, oh, and it needs okay. to be maintained uh, by someone. And if we don't do that, then it affects the fishing in the Laguna Madre. It affects uh, the flow of current. It even affects the Port of Brownsville with the amount of material that settle into their channel, creating a big problem. Really? So the idea is if we keep Port Mansfield or the Mansfield cut area open, it diminishes the amount of the sediment that goes into Brownsville, but at the same time, it allows fresher moving water uh, lowers the salinization level and brings in better trout and other fish that weren't, aren't normally there if they don't have that flow of water. So there's several so, reasons to do it. And the other reason is because the port was built to be a commercial port. And it, it was uh, in the 70s and 80s, but it kind of died off and became more of a local fishing community. Yeah. And uh, we have an obligation to have a commercial port, so we're trying to get it back to what it was originally intended for by the state when they created it. But I want to make sure I understood. So the cut from the Laguna Madre to the Gulf, that's man-made. That's the one that Absolutely. silts it. Absolutely. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, well, speaking of commercial commercial activity, uh, the last time I think, I think it was last time we talked, you, you all were thinking about or going to work toward trying to become a container 
I don't know what to call it, a place that handled container containers yeah. like uh, what's the, what's the status on it? Well, we we still have several different companies that are uh, talking to us. We have a, a primary uh, shipping and receiving company out of Tampico and Altamira that's uh, shown and ex- expressed a strong interest in uh, being able to uh, speed up a lot of the truck traffic that's getting trapped, particularly on the south side. It can't come north because it just oh, days wow. and days of being stuck in line. So they're working with us. And then we have a, a small group that's uh, working with two companies out of uh, Costa Rica and one out of Ecuador, I believe it is, that uh, huh. they're trying to bring particular cargoes destined for Altamira and then shuttled over to Port Mansfield. So the, so the idea of having container traffic is probably one of our most likely scenarios for the oh, coming up in the next year or so to actually come into reality. Well, do y'all, do y'all have the, I don't know what it takes to be able to handle to offload and onload containers, but does the port have the the physical location well, for that and all the gear? We have the, uh, the state, uh, TxDOT has actually helped us and funded a, uh, about a, about a five and a half acre, uh, what they call a queuing yard, basically an area to lay those containers down mm-hmm. at, handle them, get them on the chassis and get them down the road mm-hmm. and, and inbound as well. Uh, that area has just about completed. I would say probably within the next 30 days, it'll be over and done with. And we'll be able to handle as far as, uh, the actual surface area to operate. We still need to put a sea, a new seawall in the area that adjacent to that was, did have a seawall back in the, 70s and 80s but it's just so old and needs to be replaced so once there's a seawall in there then barges will be able to push up against that area and and utilize it the people that are uh, contracting with us or working with us to to operate these facilities are the ones who are going to bring in their own equipment to uh, load and unload they're basically really large forklifts with long reach extensions on them that they'll use to load and unload the containers well, they, Joining us on 17 KURV is the director at Port Mansfield, Ron Mills. And I'm, I'm curious, how long did this entire process take? It's a lot of stuff. Um, well, I've been in the job about eight and a half years. I can say it's been, I've been working on it since the first day I walked in the door. Uh, the dredging <laughs> process took probably seven years to get it arranged. Yeah. And then once we got the dredging started, then TxDOT came to us now, and we actually have two projects. The one that I was describing with the queuing yard, and TxDOT's also helping us put in a basically an 80-foot right-of-way a bypass to go past all the housing areas so that we can have the trucks move in and out of the area where they'll be handling containers and stay predominantly away from any residential sections of our community. So uh, we have a couple of TxDOT projects. So overall, uh, it's been about eight-plus years. When they did the dredging this time, they had not dredged since 2008. So it's been quite a number of years since they did uh, any dredging. What, what about uh, Mr. Mills? Uh, for people who don't know, the uh, port is on the Laguna Madre. And mm-hmm. I guess it's Highway 186 goes from Raymondville to the port. That's how you get there, east That's of right. Raymondville. So you get these trucks loaded up with you get the trucks coming through, going to or from the port. Um, right. talk about the traffic, traffic load. Well, we're, our target, and I believe it's probably a pretty realistic number. It's probably about 200 containers a day. Uh, and that'll take a year or two probably to build to that level. Yeah. So it won't be an immediate overnight onslaught of massive amounts of trucks. Uh, there will be an increase and that's why we've gone to TxDOT and they've already approved and budgeted for this upcoming year, starting October 1st. Um, to help us put a bypass in that goes in the backside of all the residential area, runs mm-hmm. out near the airport, and dumps out near this queuing yard we're describing, yeah. so that we minimize the impact on the on the locals. But we're we're really I honestly don't expect to see more than two hundred trucks a day ever. Uh, it could happen. I mean, I could be wrong on that. It could get to be two or three hundred trucks a day, but I don't think it'll get to that. For and if it does, it won't be for a number of years because we have to build up a clientele yeah. and a cargo network okay. to, to make it happen so what is it what is it like balancing the load between the the neighboring ports all of you uh to be honest it's quite a challenge uh there's actually four ports here in port in, in the valley we have brownsville we have port isabel we have uh, harlingen and, and we have port mansfield um harlingen has been very very lucky over the years uh with handling sugar cotton and uh, diesel particularly yeah. materials going into Mexico. Uh, they've been very, very lucky and very productive. 
uh, Brownsville, they have their steel market and with this new uh, project that's just been funded for them to get their drafts down to 50 plus feet, uh, they're going to have a, a bright future in the container industry as well, which, if nothing else, puts us in a situation of being able to shuttle some of the containers that are overflow from Brownsville into Port Mansfield and then further on, either into Mexico or up to Corpus or Freeport. We're with uh, Port Mansfield Director Ron Mills, our guest on your 956 Drive Home. And when all of these, when, when this project comes to full completion, how do we um, grease the wheels and springboard uh, the, the business coming in and out of there? What, what are the plans for that? Well, right now we're in negotiations with, I have probably six companies that are in my office at least once a week uh, trying to work out details on different commodities. Uh, our whole our emphasis is not just generally containers. Uh, we're also looking at a, a company who wants to bring desalinization into the area, uh, mm-hmm. desalinization at a rate uh, that would be in the 30 to 50 million gallons a day of water that can help offset the water crisis in the valley. Um, we have uh, other people who've approached us about uh, manufacturing uh, and using hemp hemp products from throughout the valley to bring them into a particular point to process them. Um, so th- we have several different companies out there that we're discussing in this, not only containers. And I suspect that the diversity of what's going to be available is going to, one, uh, again, put more emphasis on jobs and not on trucks. And I think that's going to actually create a, several hundred new jobs within the next 18 months or so. How's the fishing? As much as I want to talk about the the hemp, <laughs> but you had mentioned the you had mentioned the water. Tell us about that. Well, the, the desalinization project is, has been coming and going. Um, we've been talking about it off and on for about four years now. Um, the primary company that we've been dealing with had kind of stepped out of the way for about two years, but they came back. Um, we've been talking to them very strongly. They actually have some byproducts. That, that, the one advantage that this one particular company has over some of the others, a lot of companies offer desalinization ideas. The problem is, is what happens to all that salt? You don't mm-hmm. want to dump it back into the Gulf. You don't want to dump it back in Lagunas because you create a bigger problem. But this company actually has a, uh, a patented system to where they not only collect the water and create desalinated water, but the desalinated water, the byproduct, the brine and all that, they process that as well and make other products, about 17 of them apparently. And wow. so the idea is that we're not going to be returning salt back to the Laguna. We're not going to be putting salt back in the Gulf of Mexico. In fact, I can assure you, me personally, I'm a retired Coastie with a lot of background in environmental, and I, I wouldn't be a supportive of that at all. So we're trying to get this company that has this idea of how they would recover all that salt and that brine and and make it beneficial to them, but also beneficial to the environment by not dumping it back. I I suspect that this is we'll probably be signing some kind of agreement with them in the very near future. Wow. That is some some big news coming down the pike there. You will be a water czar in that case, right, Mr. Mills? (laughs) Well, I don't know if it'll be the water czar, but he certainly will be. That gentleman will be. But the the advantage (laughs) that it has to us is, you know, the valley, as we all know right now, suffering with a shortage of drinking water. And uh, these guys basically have a a technique and a a process that can provide a lot of water to a lot of people. In fact, they've already uh, have tentative agreements signed with several uh, cities on the other side of the river, even on the Mexican side that are willing to buy their products. So uh, this could be a very beneficial to a lot of people. Well, Director Mills, thanks for giving us the update. That's Ron Mills, director of Port Mansfield, joining us on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radiopotomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Here's Zach. 
Uh, part of an extension of a discussion that we've been having about uh, people picking their degrees and just not being happy with them in general. This kind of branched out from the whole debt forgiveness thing. Davis has a bone to pick with some people that pick certain degrees in general, but uh, let's well, let's let our expert no, what, talk about uh, a poll. I said, that was, hold on, hold on. You'll you'll have a chance to defend yourself, but let me let me introduce our guest first uh, to talk about a poll that was featured uh, from the Washington Post. Our hiring expert David Cathy from UnitySearch.com joins us now on your nine five six drive home to talk about this. So, what what was the study about? Yeah, the study the study was about um, people graduating with a degree and just ha- looking back on their education path and their major and regretting what they did, whether it was regretting getting that degree or even in some cases it was regretting even going to school. could have been a four-year degree or a vocational school, and it was really surprising, the results. What is it that made people regret their choices? What kind of degrees were they getting? Well, it's interesting. So it says, you know, 40 and 50% of people that studied uh, humanities, social and behavioral sciences, and arts regretted that degree. Education, business, law degrees, 33% people regretted that. And then one of the interesting ones is the smallest amount of regret was an engineering degree. It still had a quarter of people that graduated with an engineering degree still regretted it, but it was the least amount um, in terms of regret. And I think, you know, one of the things that, that we found in doing this, at least anecdotally from our conversations, there's so many different reasons why. I mean, some people are sitting in their job, looking at their computer and thinking, man, I went to a four-year, paid for that, went into debt, and the work I'm doing today, I did not need a four-year degree. I'm not even applying it in the job I'm in right now. And they're trying to reconcile what they paid for and what they went through for four years to the job that they're doing on a daily basis. David Cathy is a hiring expert with UnitySearch.com, our guest on your 956 drive home. Davis Reagan, uh, air your grievance. Well, let me ask you a question first. Since I, my, I'm not sure I can remember my grievance now, but it, I've heard it said or read that one of the functions now, or a function, maybe the is uh, of a college degree, is a, uh, a weeding out tool. It's a way for them not to look at other, for, look at other uh, prospects. You know anything about this? In terms of hiring managers looking for people to yeah. fill a vacancy at their organization, sure, that's that's always going to be the case. It really depends on, you know, the the career path you're on. So if you need someone that has a CPA, let's take accounting, for example, in order to sit for a CPA exam, you're going to have to have not only that degree, you actually have to have a what usually is the equivalent of a master's degree, and you have to have a pass a four-part test. And so um, if you're looking for an accounting job that is doing something technical in nature in accounting, you're going to be weeded out pretty quickly. You know, you and I could probably sit here and think of all kinds of degrees that really have nothing to do with the jobs that people end up. If you have a history degree, I don't know how that helps you sell insurance. And I'm trying to think of jobs off the top of my head. If you have a science if you, if you want to take a science job, typically you have to have a science education of some sort. Engineers, they need to know what they're doing or the bridges fall down. Law, that that's but um, there's a lot of stuff out there that I don't know what it helps you do. Gender studies, um, ethnic studies. Um, I have an arts degree because I went to I went to the journalism school as an arts degree. But you don't you don't need a college degree to become a reporter. That's um, so what's the point of college then? If you really think about it, what's the point well, of college? Well, you know, there are going to be some career paths where they need that higher level of education. And there's going to be some career paths where if you have the ambition to lead an organization, you're going to need that MBA from Wharton or yeah. uh, one of the elite schools in many cases. But I think what we're finding here is, you know, we're having colleges say, well, you got to declare, declare your major early. 
Well, if I'm mm-hmm. 18, if 18 year old David Cathy or 19 year old David Cathy had no clue, sometimes I still don't have any clue what I want to do on a daily basis. I certainly didn't at that point in time. And you feel like preach, you brother, preach. Into this Marry a rich girl. Where you Marry a rich girl. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, no. I, I completely relate to that. Ex- I was saying you don't know the practical experience. Once I graduate, I don't know what my job looks like. I have no idea what I'm going to be doing on a daily basis. I just know that my parents said I needed to go get a degree, so I went and got a degree. You see, Davis was doubting me that there are students that feel exactly like this. There's a no. lot of pressure from your parents to go to school. There's pressure from your teachers, the principal, all those staff, I'm, counselors, I'm like everybody wants you to go off to college immediately after high school. Oh, we had none and, of that in my and, house. And the, the and the thing is, like like you said, hey, you're 18, you don't know a whole lot about the world, and you're immediately supposed to have this life plan right out the gate. Now, of course, I have to preface it by saying the obvious, yes, education is very, very important, but your vision for the future is not as crystal clear as it is or as it should be for that kind of an investment at the age of 18 for a lot of people. A lot of kids do, a lot of kids don't. It, your thoughts, Mr. Kathy? Well, I think you're right. And I, I think if I, if I go back to when I was a kid, it was, you know, hey, I had to get a degree. And I think what's happening here is if you look at college enrollment right now, from 2010 to 2020, it's down by 10% in college enrollment. And I think a lot of that stems from, you know, you've got people who they just want to be influencers and you got people who, you know, they just want to go um, do some type of trade school and, and all that's fine. In fact, trade school enrollment is increasing. Um, but I think what a lot of that could stem from is, you know, it, it will take Gen X. Gen X was told, hey, you by the baby boomers, hey, you've got to get a college degree. You have no exceptions. And so they did. And they're burned out in their job. Coronavirus didn't help that they're burnt out. And they have these kids that are entering that age. And they're saying, hey, I'm not going to put as much pressure on you like I felt to go get that four year degree. And you're seeing so many different types of jobs come about that we have never seen before. I mean, who would have thought that a YouTuber or an influencer is going to make as much money as they make or that we would even have jobs with those titles? And so a lot of these things are getting bypassed. And if you go around and ask any fourth or fifth grade classroom these days, back in my day as I wanted to be a professional athlete, I want to be a football player, a baseball player, you ask them now and I would be willing to almost bet one year salary that they're saying, I want to be a YouTuber or a gamer or an influencer. <laughs> uh, this discussion, by the way, brought to you by uh, Raid Shadow Legends, <laughs> available on your on your mobile phone. I'm joking. Uh, our guest is David Cathy. He's a hiring expert from UnitySearch.com, and we're talking about Hello. some of the, I guess the the things that people regret about their major after they picked up an education. And one thing I thought was interesting about this uh, survey that they did was that people who went to vocational school were also in regret as well. And that surprises me for what it's worth. Same. It, it very much surprises me because vocational school is much more intentional in the career path that you're going on. It's like an apprenticeship. And that really does surprise me. And I don't really have an answer as to why that might be the case. But, you know, you said a few minutes ago, Zach, that was important. Education is important for the people, depending on what they want to do. It's going to it's going to remove a ceiling and many times for your career and it will create a career path. You know, I sit back and I, I look at I'm not doing I went to school and I was a finance major and I'm not practicing finance in any way, shape or form. But it did open the doors for me to be in the position that I am in now. Let me, this is Davis Frankie. Let me drill down on that without getting up in your business. How did it put you in that position? First off, what's, what do you learn in a finance degree? I have, and then how did it put you in the position to do what you're doing now? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's budgeting, it's forecasting, it's, you know, building models to help dictate the future of a business and identify where it's going to go. And the reason it put me into the position that I'm in now, now I, I run a recruiting firm with three business partners and we focus on recruiting, accounting, finance, tax, and IT professionals. And so it allows me, if I'm on the phone with a CFO of a multi-million, billion dollar company, 
and he's looking at my background because I'm vetting candidates mm-hmm. for his team. And he's going, gosh, man, all right, this guy knows what he's talking about. He's, he's been in that seat, you know, and you, you have more credibility quicker that you can build yeah. with those other leaders. So if you have a G, but to be blunt, if you have a GED, uh, general education degree, there you're probably, I mean, you're not going to get where you are now. They're not going to listen to you. They're going to assume that, I'm assuming that they assume. So there's a kind of a qualification. If you can do this, then we're going to listen to you. If you don't do that, we're just not going to mess with you, right? Um, they're oh. still going to listen to you. It, it may take a little bit more work and a little bit more proving to, to gain yeah. credibility. Um, yep. And they, they can still listen to you. But if you go back and you just think about all the doors that were open to you or the ceilings that were removed for the growth of your career, yeah. a lot of it is based on, hey, I, I've got a degree. And it, it, I think we've established a degree is not for everybody, right? We're not saying yeah. that everybody has to go out and get a college degree. And we're not saying that you know nobody needs a college degree. There is a right degree for people. Um, and and they should they should seek those degrees and those careers, I think we just need to give more time so that people don't have as much regret on what they went to school for. And that's what we're facing right now is just so much mm-hmm. regret on what I went to school for. Um, this this might require more time than what we've got in this segment, Mr. Kathy, but uh, I, I got to ask you, what advice do you have for people to avoid that kind of situation where they're burnt out and they're not happy with, uh, they're, they're regretting the major that they took? Yeah. Well, I think some some universities are are doing a good job of this. Not when I was there, but they've really started working on internships. And in order to graduate with this degree plan, you actually have to have an internship for one semester. You have to go work in that, and you can quickly find out, man, this is not what I want to do. And and pick up the phone and talk to people in that job. So. If I'm a high school student nowadays and I could go back in time, I would go talk to people who were financial analysts or accountants back then. And I would say, hey, what does a day in the life look like? Because I did not learn that until I graduated from four years of college and I still had no clue what a day in a life looked like. And once I found out, I thought, okay, I'm probably not long for this. I need to start looking at something else. Well, no. Mr. Kathy, thanks a lot for uh, giving us your advice Thank you. for, for this particular area. That's David Kathy with Unity Search Group. Check them out, unitysearch.com, unitysearch.com. This is News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. News Talk 710 KURV. When news breaks, we break in. Breaking news. Stay alert and listen to the weather forecast. We need to be aware and alert to what's going on. Breaking news means it's happening now. And we mean now. Breaking news underway right now. Breaking news. On News Talk 710 KURV means we're bringing you the news as it happens. We have a In this particular instance, we are in receipt of information. When news breaks, we'll break in. Count on News Talk 710 KURV. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Here's Zach. At the front of the New York Post website, you cannot make this up. Those four words, big, bold, red letters, as the White House threw their Inflation Reduction Act party as the annual rate is hovering at 8.3%. And for the full damage report from MatadorEconomics.com is Tim Snyder. What is your take, and is it a spicy take? Um, of course it is, and my, I only have one word that ties that up, and that is, wow. <laughs> Unbelievable <laughs> that oh. they would do this. They had James Taylor singing Fire and Rain on no. the White House lawn. You know, they had all kinds of things going on. And what do they call her? KJP, Corinne Jean-Pierre. Um, and and oh, yeah. she's lying her tail end off, you know, trying to explain to people how they manage what they manage. And, and I, I, gosh, Amadi, just, you know, their rhetoric is astronomically wrong. But, you know, doggone it, they had a party. 
<laughs> You're just a hater, Tim. Some, You're just hating on them. That's all. Somebody's making money off well, of this. Well, but at least they had ice cream for Joe. You know, I mean, that's a good thing. Um. Oh, okay. Okay. Let's let's get to some of the numbers. So, so what happened? Um, inflation wise, what should we be looking at? Uh, well, let's start with. We had expectations this morning. We actually probably felt as as a as a consensus that we would probably be below eight percent in that uh, CPI, the consumer price number. Um, the the average guess was eight point one percent. It came in at eight point three. That's year over year. That still shows that inflation is running rampant, okay? Um, Month over month, we anticipated that maybe we might see a small decrease, maybe a minus 0.1%. We got a a plus 0.1%. All this built up because we had anticipated the gasoline and diesel had dropped significantly enough to make that big an impact on the CPI numbers. Here's the rub. Um, While gasoline and diesel prices came down, I think they probably were down about 10 and some change percent. Um, Rising rents slash mortgages, because mortgage payments are higher, um, food prices were unbelievable, uh, still very high, and rising heating and and cooling costs are really what uh, bet us on the backside this time. And uh, it's unfortunate because we've got some contributors to this that could be very troublesome. Um, first of all, my one of the biggest concerns is a potential railroad strike. Um, the 30-day oh, cooling off this. period and the mandatory reti- uh, re, uh, negotiation period ends on Friday, and that could be a big problem. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no, I heard about this. The, the Amtrak guys, right? No, 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 uh, no. Amtrak no. cut. Amtrak cut some of their business routes. They cut Chicago to L.A. and L.A. to uh, uh, New Orleans and a couple of other routes. But what this affects is engineers and um, oh golly, what's the, uh, the the engineers and the conductors? Okay, and there are sixty thousand of them and this is freight on the rail as well as the uh, Amtrak this quasi-governmental Amtrak 40% of the nation's long distance trade is moved by rail that is a big number and talk about putting us back exactly in the spot we were in last year because of shutdown ports and in the inability to, to move uh, products through the markets, you know, through the through the infrastructure to get them to their destinations for freight transfer mm-hmm. and those kinds of things. We're in a mess. Um, that, this thing will hit probably as many as seven thousand trains in the United States. Davis Good. Rankin, your your question for Tim Snyder of Matador Economics. Well, I uh, I had asked a local. I have to be careful. I asked a local person who deals with with trains. Um, he said Congress will not allow it. Congress has the ability, as I understand, to stop to stop the strike. Um, and he didn't think he and he checked with the rail people where he works, and he said they're not going to allow it. So, what do you think about that? I mean, I don't see why they. I, I don't see so. why Biden would allow it because it'll screw up everything. Well, and remember, who's the biggest um, fan of the of the labor unions in this country, and that is Joe Biden. And so, you know, he wants the workers to get as much as the workers can possibly get. That's a real issue. Um, It took, uh, you know, if you remember what happened back in the 1980s with Ronald Reagan when we had the the, uh, controller strike, the um, uh, air traffic controller strike. I do. um, And they stepped in and they just shut it down and said that ain't going to happen. Um, Congress is reluctant to do that. Hmm. Well, if they don't, that that. If there's if the strike goes forward, that's going to tear up everything in auto. I don't know if it run. Uh, does that make inflation worse or just um, in inconsistent delivery of stuff or the non-delivery of stuff? Um, I'm not. It I'm not sure. Demand, and it could it could spike prices initially to the point where you know demand is 
significantly higher, then it just absolutely shuts down demand. This couldn't be coming at a worse time because right now is where we're, we should be at the end of the staging period for the, for the Christmas season. And we still, we've got trains that are already shutting down. Uh, We've got a number of things that could be an issue. This, this actually is estimated to be, if they do shut down, as much as two B as in boy billion dollars per day in wow. uh, lost revenues. How much per petroleum? Day? Two billion much, per day. Two two billion a day. How much oil and gas, or however you phrase it, moves by rail in this country? Do you know? Not as much as you would think, but here's the problem. It's not moving the oil and gas. It's moving the sand and the chemicals and those kinds of things um, into position because we get most of the sand from now Wisconsin uh, that comes down here. So that'll all shut down. Um, and we're already having a tightening of supplies in that market. It costs so much money to try to you know do hydraulic fracturing uh, in a well, and, and we need that. You know, We need that to pull these these yeah. uh, you know wells on full on you know on form and get them producing but this is going to hit you know and you don't want to mess with oil and gas right now especially at a time when we're not trying to fight for it you know and it's yeah. going to create additional inflation on top of what this train spot strike is going to cost and we're already seeing inflation at that 8.3 level per- percent level so it's an issue speak speaking of which uh, we're talking with tim snyder from manager economics R- real quickly the the uh, petroleum reserve, the strategic reserve. Uh, any any updates on that? We're still we're still burning that thing off, aren't we? Oh yes, sir. We are million million barrels a day, and he still has another eighty million, a thirty million tranche, and a fifty million tranche that he's committed <laughs> to. President Biden is who I'm talking about here, uh, and so we're going to probably get down um into we're at 440 right now tomorrow we'll have our inventory numbers and i'll be able to tell you exactly where we stand uh as of last friday but i will tell you we're going to be you know by the time this is all done we're going to be well below 400 million barrels and we'll be in the threes and that is significantly lower especially at a time guys when we have the Chinese and the Russians deciding they're going to work together economically and militarily. And that is a big threat to this, to the security of the United States. Ay, ay, ay. Well, Nope. I was going to try and find a silver lining. I just can't do it right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to try my best, but, uh, well, he sounds good, right? He sounds, he sounds uh, upbeat and voice is nice so and strong. He so got that's upbeat. I, 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 Somebody's making money, right? I I mean, that's noticed. But I saw his press, his presser that he did uh, regarding his special day for his his uh, the law that he signed into effect. But um, you know, they're they are. I'm I'm really worried sick about this whole thing because there was a bunch of makeup on his collar, and that was from him. That wasn't from anybody else. But you know, they're they're really painting him up. Um, and propping him up. And, and, you know, I just, I really am concerned for the man because unfortunately um, this is a, this is a very big challenge uh, for somebody that, that is struggling cognitively. You can subscribe to the newsletter at matadoreconomics.com. Thanks a lot for your time and your analysis. The damage report as usual, Tim Snyder, our economist joining us on news talk, 710 KURV. You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Start your day with news and interviews important to you with the Valley's Morning News. Weekday morning starting at 6. Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan bring you the latest headlines and hourly discussions with AccuWeather to get you ready for your day and special guest interviews on topics that affect you and your family. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, guys. Well, let's now enjoy the show. It's what you need to start your day. The Valley's Morning News with Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan. Weekday morning starting at 6 on News Talk 710 KURV. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Here's Zach. You know, all this talk about defunding the police, giving them money, not paying attention to them, paying attention to them, this this back and forth between the governor of Texas and, and Beto O'Rourke. 
is fascinating. And I thought this would bring up a, a good time for a conversation about the role of law enforcement in general and how it serves the purposes for the community. Joining us on 710KURV, somebody who has a lot of experience about this. Uh, he's got a doctorate in criminal justice. He served on the police force. Dr. Phil Etheridge joins us now to talk about the role of police. And that's 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 the the big question. And in the in the large picture of things in the community, what is the role of the police department? Hmm. Uh, okay, well, good afternoon. Basically, the role of police officers is to give the citizens a sense that they are safe. Now, what happens is when you when you say that, unless you or somebody you know has been the victim of crime, you have a perception, and the number one perception you have of policing, believe it or not, is a simple traffic stop. So what you see the police do when they stop you is, okay, I did something wrong. How am I going to be treated? If you've been the victim of the crime, what you want is you want somebody arrested, and if you have been accused of something, you want justice done. And so the police try to go out and prevent crimes. They try to arrest people, but that's the end of their involvement. After that, what is a challenge today and what we're seeing now are these terms about, well, you know, we're going to talk about defunding or we're going to talk about taking money away or all these kinds of things. And so what the police are being caught in now is they just want to be able to do their job. They want to protect the community and they don't have, they don't want to have to fight just to survive. But basically is the police are there to make us feel that living in a community that we're going to be safe there. One question I think uh, would be, would be a good practice to illustrate right here would be how law enforcement goes after a particular crime that's spiking. Like we've heard about like say catalytic converters and we've heard about, you know, credit card skimmers or, you know, like say murders go up or say robberies go up or, or what have you. How do they keep track of those stats and, and what do they do to, to, to bring those numbers down? Well, see, what, what you just mentioned is, is a perfect example. You know, we, we, we talk about what, what would be a crime that would probably affect us more often than others. Well, it might be a theft, these, these catalytic converters. Well, what happens is, is uh, police departments look at where they're being taken, what kind of vehicles are being taken, when they're being taken, and there, there are very successful, there's a very successful task force now that's identifying those crimes, but that is a crime that would affect you and I, that we would be saying, well, look, if somebody takes that, and I've seen the, the price, uh, if somebody takes one, how much it costs to get a new one. And so the police have to collect information, they have to analyze it, and then they have to go out and they have to say, okay, now we're going to organize so we can go after that. Other types of crime, violent crimes, it's much more difficult because many of these are done in private. They're very personal. And what the police can really do on some of these violent crimes is they can try to study. But as, as we've seen very sadly, many times uh, the police really can't do much to deter some of this violent crime. Dr. Phil Etheridge. Uh, specializes in criminal justice and spent some time on the police force. He's our guest on your 956 drive home. Uh, another part of it. So let's say, uh, let's talk about the, the judges and the, the bail system. This is something that was being cited by the governor as to why some of the crime rates are up in some cities in Texas, namely uh, Houston, where uh, judges are being kind of a little bit more lenient than they should be, and the bail system is letting people that, you know, for at least what the governor is citing, committed murder or may be a part of, uh, connected to a murder, just letting them go free on bail and, and things like that. Let's talk about that for a second. How does that whole process work? Well, that, that's, that's a very, very important thing to talk about because once the police have done their job and they've arrested somebody, then that person goes before a judge. 
And that judge is going to look at the system in their city or their county, and they're going to decide. And what uh, the governor has done is he has gone to a Democrat county, Harris County, a Democrat city, well, the, the mayor up there. But what he's attacking now, and, and this, this, I think, is a little more valid. What he's attacking now is, look, these people in these two cases he talked about that, that were involved with a murder, I think, is mm-hmm. they were already out of the system. But that's the reality of the system that we have. But nationwide, what the Republicans are doing and, and conservative radio is doing is they're looking at these cities and their, their, their counties and even states. And they're saying, look, do you understand what your judges are doing? Do you understand the bail system? Because the reality is most people that get arrested are going to be released from jail. And so this is a frustration for the police because they see somebody being released. Uh, but it is going to be a big battle. And the, the other aspect of this is most judges are elected. So we do have counties and we do have cities in the state where most of the judges uh, are Democrat or other other counties are Republican. And there are differences in those situations on really what would happen to somebody that's get arrested. And so uh, the, the governor's going out and attacking, but he's going to those places where he can he can say, look, this really is going on. And uh, that's that's going to be a very tough one. It's going to be a very tough one for anybody uh, to uh, to refute that. Dr. Phil Etheridge specializes in criminal justice. He served some time on the police force. He's our guest on your 956 drive home. Davis Rankin, your question. Yeah, I, I have been saying that the, the purpose of bail to get out of jail is uh, just to make sure people show up for the rest of what's going to happen. It's not punitive. Um, I'm not sure I'm right about that. What What is the purpose of the function of bail? The bail system in the United States came about for exactly the reason that you said. In the early, early days of the United States, where you had small cities uh, and people knew each other, if you got in trouble uh, with the law enforcement at that time, everybody really knew you. As things grew and as people moved from one city to another, the idea was we need to have some system uh, in which we can assure that someone will return and they will have to come up with some money. They can come back as they go through the system. Then they'll, they'll, that, that money, most of it will be returned. And so you're absolutely right. Now what's happening in some states, and I'm, I'm originally from Illinois, uh, and, and the news up there is they are going to do away with cash bail. And the word coming out from Chicago and other uh, big cities in, in Illinois is a very large number of people in jail right now will be released. And so this idea of a bail system to have people come back uh, is, a, is a real challenge. And it is being attacked. And so what's going on right now, and this I just saw the ad on television a few minutes ago, this idea of cashless bail system is going to be one that is going to be attacked and it's not here now but as far as we you know we get more people in jail more people in prison it seems to be happening and in the state of illinois it is a democrat governor and he is being attacked and also the uh mayor of chicago is being attacked Two of the narratives and points that are being thrown between Abbott and Bethel are, one, the defund the police movement. There were some accusations thrown at Harris County over some money that was supposed to be rolled over and then uh, wasn't. And then the the one that I want to kind of focus on is the question, is it a mortal sin, do you think, politically, that Abbott... uh, Abbott signed constitutional carry, like Beto is saying, hey, you, you didn't listen to all these law enforcement groups across Texas that said that this was a bad idea. Uh, does that does that kind of muck up the works in the criminal justice world? Well, the, the debate going on when the constitutional carry finally finally was passed during the years it would come up for various versions was, well, now the police are not going to have any idea who the bad guys are and who the good guys are because everybody's going to have a gun. 
uh, the NRA and more conservatives said, well, as long as everybody has a gun, at least uh, the good guys and the bad guys, the good guys will have a gun because right now only the bad guys can have a gun. Uh, I don't think that's going to go very far for this reason. After constitutional carry was passed in 2021 uh, legislature, there has not been a dramatic increase in there, there, there may be some gun violence, but I think to say, well, this is a, as a result of constitutional carry, I think that's stretching it. And what's also going to happen is every once in a while there is a case where someone with a constitutional carry does prevent a crime or actually shoot a burglar or shoot somebody trying to commit a crime, and that's always being used by the NRA and conservatives as to say, well, you know, that crime would have been committed except somebody did have a gun. So, no, I, I don't think that's really going to play very well. That's kind of stretching the idea of constitutional carry. Any any thoughts on defunding the police before we go, uh, Dr. Etheridge? Well, you know, I, I, I just was reading about this case in Harris County, these constables, and what I read was the constables now are blaming the governor. You know, there's a lot of money that the governor sends out to uh, local governments, county governments, he gets distributed. And every once in a while, that from the state actually gets changed. So uh, I, I don't think this defund is going to go very far, but... It is. In fact, I, I've got television on right now, and I'm sorry, there's a big sign that says defund the police, and it's got Beto. They, the, the conservatives <laughs> right now and the Republicans are absolutely putting Beto O'Rourke and defund the police together. And we're going to see that day and night on these commercials. Uh, whether it has any impact, we're going to hear about it day and night, and whether it's going to affect who we vote for, uh, that's going to be the $64 million question, as they say. And four. Dr. Etheridge, thanks for breaking <laughs> thank, it down for you. us. <clears throat> uh, that's Dr. Phil Etheridge, specialty in criminal justice. He also served on the police force for a time. He's our guest on News Talk 710 KURB. You are listening to the 956 Drive Home. You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURB and KURB.com. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids to running errands, your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURB. As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV.